Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Monday, October 10th, 2022, and this is day 1664 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning into our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we honor you and glorify you above all others. Thank you, Lord, for just keeping us and watching over us and letting us know how valued we are to you. Thank you, Lord, for equipping us with everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to go forth and fulfill the purpose you've given us for this day. I thank you, Father, for comforting the brokenhearted and healing the sick and blessing those who may be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today's message is choice of life or death or either action or or in action, what are we going to choose? Are we going to be active for the Lord? Or are we going to be idle and complacent? Are we going to sit around and do nothing? Are we going to take a stand and do that which is right? We're going to be coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, and verses 22 through 34. So let's learn about Eli and his two wicked sons and what happened because of what Eli did or what he did not do. Again, we're coming out of 1 Samuel. We're going to start at verse 12 and uh, then we're going to jump over to verse 22. So it says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and and say to the person who was sacrificing, give me the priest or give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. That went against what God had, what they were actually contempting God. It says, this sin uh, of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. So they were being disobedient to God and doing evil. So what they were doing, and I'm going to read from my New International Version of commentary. You know, first of all, Eli was a high priest. 
And, uh, and I'm not reading it yet. I'm just explaining. Eli was the high priest and his two boys were priests. And so it says, this fork was a utensil used in the tabernacle for offering sacrifices made of bronze. Usually had three prongs to hook the meat that was to be offered on the altar. Eli's sons used the fork to take more meat from the pot than was due them. So they were taken away from God's sacrifice and what was to be done with it. Um, so it says what also what they were doing wrong. It says they were taking parts of the sacrifices before they were offered to God on the altar. They were also eating meat before the fat was burned off. This was against God's law in Leviticus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. In effect, Eli's sons were treating God's offering with contempt. Offerings were given to show honor and respect to God while seeking forgiveness for sins. But through their irreverence, Eli's sons were actually sinning while making the offerings. To add to their sins, they were also... Mm -hmm, sleeping with the women who served there. Uh, like Eli says, so let, we won't go any further on that. So let me share more about that. Let me go over to verse 22. It says, now Eli was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel <clears throat> and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow. So Samuel uh, was in position to take over. He was still a child. Uh, Hannah had dedicated her little baby uh, to the priesthood. And uh, Eli was his mentor. So God was preparing him because he knew what was going to happen with Eli and his two evil sons. Now, and I'm going to go down to verse 27. It says, now a man came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestors out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. And the ephod was a special outfit that the priest would wear, a part of the outfit. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offerings that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? So you notice that God is addressing Eli for what his grown boys are doing. And he says, why do you do this? Now, please take heed and pay close attention to how God uh, sees us and how God disciplines 
because of our lack of action. Verse 30, therefore the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained or unworthy. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength. And all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, will be a sign to you. They will both die on the same day. Very interesting. And what happens, uh, I'm going to just go over to 1 Samuel chapter 4 to see what comes to pass. God's word uh, is alive, is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts down deep to the marrow of the bone. God's word is truth, and it will be effective. It will go into effect whatever he says. And all because Eli did not take a stand and truly discipline his sons. Eli, really, when a priest was doing that, they should have been killed. They should have been put to death. That was part of the law back then. Uh, removed from that priesthood, they should not have been able to do, continue to do what they were doing. So just looking at uh, <clears throat> 1 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 17, it says, the man who brought the news replied, well, it's 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. Uh, it says, the man who brought the news replied, this was while they were in war, Israel fled before the Philistines and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas are dead, and the Ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken, and he died, for he was an old man, and he was heavy. He had led Israel 40 years. And looking at this, thinking about what Eli did, not only did he suffer and his two boys, but future generations? You heard what God said, right? Very serious. Um, so Proverbs 22 and 6 says, To train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Listen, we as believers, we are new creations in Christ. And if we did not know before becoming believers how to raise our children, what to do, we know now if we are studying the word of God, if we are doing what God would have us to do. So the first thing, and I don't have these lined out as points, but I'll say 
point number one and kind of go through this, but it's not exactly in that order. We uh, must continue to stay strong in Christ by assembling. One of the ways is by assembling ourselves together. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, let me just go there to Hebrews chapter 10. And what God is saying we should do in assembling ourselves together. So I didn't have it marked out, so I'm I'm, I'm getting it. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 23. And here's what God says. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for who we promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And when he says the day That is the day of Christ's return. (coughs) We are in the last days. And this generation, we're in a position where we could see the occurring of Christ, the rapture, the Christians being caught up in the air with Christ any second. Because every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled before that took place has been fulfilled. So we should be obeying God and assembling ourselves together. And what has happened is we've made a choice uh, because we have gotten pretty complacent uh, as Eli did. Not you, but I'm just saying in general, (laughs) overall, we have become complacent as a people and lackadaisical about serving the Lord to the fullest and about assembling ourselves together in church together. Uh, It is something so powerful about being together. I know we've had to go through um, COVID for the last several years or three years or so and being used to doing everything uh, virtually. God is saying it is time to get outside of the four walls and get back into where he would have us to be fellowshipping with one another. All of us will have to answer to God for what we have done or what we have not done. Um, you know, there are <clears throat> there are gonna there's gonna be a judgment of all the unbelievers. And all the unbelievers, this will take place in Revelation chapter twenty, <clears throat> verse eleven through fifteen. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh and I've read this recently actually, um, but I'm gonna read it again today. We can never get too much of the word of God and it's Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And this is what's going to happen to every unbeliever uh, at the judgment. It says, then I saw, and this is John speaking, who was caught up in the spirit and, and the Lord gave him the book of Revelation. And he says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. 
and each person <clears throat> was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So <clears throat> that great white throne judgment is actually the judgment that will take place for all those whose name was not written in the book of life. Now, believers will also have to stand before Christ. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, all believers will have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And in the book of Romans chapter 14 and 10 and 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, <clears throat> one of them states, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So what kind of rewards will we receive when we are judged? There are five different crowns mentioned in the Bible that we could receive. I was blessed to share this message uh, last Sunday at church. So please pay, pay close attention to the crowns that we can receive at the judgment seat of Christ. We're in heaven and we're with the Lord. And now he is giving us our crowns. So the first crown could be an incorruptible crown, also known as the victor's crown in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. The second possible crown is the crown of life, the martyr's crown. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. There is the crown of glory or the elder's crown, which is usually your pastor or those that are in leadership. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. There is the crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And then there's the crown of rejoicing. The soul winner's crown. Mm. You know, he who wins souls, they're very important to God to for us to be soul winners. He who wins souls is wise. And that's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. Are you ready to receive your crown for doing the work that God is giving you to do? It is your choice. We have the choice of life or death. Just as it was exemplified through Eli, whether it is in the way that you are obeying God and raising our children and disciplining them according to the word of God. We must not stand by idle or complacent. We must take a stand and your children will honor you. They will... Uh, you know, glorify you and uh, in, in a way that is um, absolutely beautiful, even though there were times that you didn't want to have to discipline, but we have to do it. And that's part of love. Discipline is discipling, training them up in the way they should go. Don't be afraid to do that and understand absolutely your friend, your children are not your friends. Um, you know, maybe once they're grown, then that's different. They're on their own. They can choose and do what they want. Maybe that's the time to be friends. But you are you are given 
this great, wonderful responsibility from God to raise them up. And so uh, we need to be there for them and in their lives and training them and teaching them and showing them what they should and should not do. I was I had the pleasure of um, going to um, my sister-in-law's 70th gathering for her birthday. And the most awesome thing about it were her two boys who uh, were celebrating her life and they put it all together, all the outings for her over the whole weekend, starting Friday evening, I think, and then Saturday and then the culmination on Sunday, coming together with cake and food and and then they took her out Saturday and then they hung out and barbecued for her on Friday and lavished her with gifts and the thing about it was many of them came from out of town to make sure this happened with the one son who lived here in town so one of the sons was from Texas and then another nephew came and another stepson came and and uh, to see these you know young men in their late 30s and 40s, you know, doing this for their mom. It was beautiful to see them honor her and lavishing her with gifts. And this, they were some of their, some of the kindest young men you could ever meet. And uh, they loved their mother dearly. And the other thing that I noticed about them by having conversation with them yesterday, one of them uh so there's Eric and Justin, her two boys, and then our nephew, CJ, and her uh, stepson, Mike. And so while being there um, yesterday at the house, uh, Justin, the youngest son, says, Aunt Jackie, I'd love to learn about all these great things you're doing and, and just wanting to learn and hear and uh, just um, taking information in and trying to glean from us older generation, you know. It was really uh, quite a an amazing, uh, nurturing time together to see this with my own eyes and to see the love that was just flourishing in that place. And that, to me, is one of the benefits of us raising our children up. They honor us, <laughs> and they certainly did that with their mother yesterday. Now, what about you? Are you ready to meet the Lord? That is really what this is all about. Ready to meet Jesus by being obedient to him and not falling into the trap of complacency. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, my friend, is the ultimate you will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And don't forget to check us out on our website, jackiebikesministries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E, be like boy, U-Y-C-K-S, ministries.org. 
check out the messages and please share them with others. And don't forget to check us out on tzonekc.org to learn more about what we're doing in the community with our precious youth, teaching them life skills, workforce skills, entrepreneurship development, peer mediation skills, and human and sex trafficking awareness. So please uh, check us out, become a partner, and uh, help to support this well-worthwhile cause. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.